0: Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlow, and today I'm here with the Bright Feeds CEO, Jonathan Fife. Jonathan, welcome to the BizCast.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: We're really excited to have you. Brightfeeds is a very new company, really has started in the last couple of years. Really, they're working to solve the food waste crisis by turning unwanted food into high quality animal feed. This is a big operation that you guys have really right here in Connecticut now and Massachusetts as well. Did you, were you in this space beforehand? Uh, were you in startups, manufacturing? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, no, nothing similar. I was, uh, I was at an investment firm in New York City, um, and uh, I was doing a few different things, one of which was working on some of our private investments. And while I was uh, at the investment firm, I met our co-founder, Tim Rassias, who's a serial entrepreneur who had started several successful businesses and we, you know, he, uh, you know, originally uh, had the idea and, uh, and and got me into this craziness.
0: And was like food waste something that you had been interested in beforehand, or um, did you gain interest as you learned about
1: it? Yeah, really, as as we learned. So we we heard about uh, Tim and I had been working, you know, very closely on uh, a different business at the time, and we heard, um, uh, you know, we we heard about a few people who were trying to convert food waste into animal feed and some of the challenges that they were having um, succeeding. And as Tim and I you know, we were talking frequently, we were going over some of the problems people were having um, and we felt like there were uh, technological solutions out there. And as we started researching, we learned more about the problem. Uh, you know, Food waste contributes to about 10% of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, One third of the world's food is wasted. So it's a huge economic and environmental problem and then we started to learn about not just uh, you know it wasn't just a local problem. It's something that's you know across the across the country, across the world, um, and it felt like a really uh, you know interesting uh, problem to try to devote yourself to you know try to devote ourselves to full time.
0: We'll get into a little bit more of the problem and, and what you guys have done. But how did you come from this idea of this business to you were in New York City at the time, now you're here in Connecticut. Tell me about that evolution.
1: Yeah, so the more we researched, the more uh, you know interested we got in trying to launch a business. And, and our first question was, okay, can we actually do this at scale? Um, we uh, there's There's so much food waste out there that we didn't want to do it on a small scale. We wanted to develop something that could really first solve Connecticut's problem and then bring that to the rest of the country. So what we did is we partnered with a few leading engineers, so um, Glenn Goddett, who runs Boston College's engineering school, and then Jamal Yagoubi, who, who was the, the head of mechanical engineering at WPI. And we sat down with them, and they're, they're both in the sustainability area, and we said, can we solve the engineering problems? to really build a facility to process food waste at scale. And as we started engineering and working through uh, drawings, it it started to to get more real and we felt like it was something that we could do and and decided to jump in.
0: And Connecticut was a great space to do that?
1: Yeah, we, you know, Connecticut had uh, an initiative called the Coalition for Sustainable Materials Management. It was run by the Department of Environmental Protection who band together with about 90 municipalities. And MIRA, you know right down the block to here shut down in 2022 and so at the time it was when we started the business it was 2021 so it's kind of the impending shutdown of, of, of mira so the state was really looking to solve the problem they had working groups so they were they were very motivated so when we approached them with the idea they really welcomed up with us with op- open arms they made the permitting process straightforward um, the town of berlin was was great to work with when we were searching for a property um, you know, which was challenging at the time, so I just think what for what we were looking to do uh really lined up with uh, with connecticut 's working groups and and the problems they were looking to solve
0: and you had mentioned at the start you know there were some other companies kind of doing some some similar stuff, but you felt like there was a lot of burdens that could be solved with technology so what makes you guys different than some of these other food waste management companies yeah,
1: so what we saw is uh, A lot of the companies out there will just focus on one waste stream because one of the primary challenges to creating a food waste animal feed business is how do you remain consistent? We're getting things from supermarkets, from bakeries, from large food processors, and they all produce different types of foods. So historically, what many in the industry did is they said, let's just focus on bakery items or let's just focus in a certain area. Um, and what we really wanted to do was, was, was build a one-stop shop to take everything. And what that means is we need sensors, technology, ways to measure food, ways to blend, um, and that took advanced algorithms. And that's why we partnered with some of those you know, leading engineers I mentioned, but it's a, uh, um, our, what we wanted to do is instead of taking one stream, really solve the problem by taking any food waste that people will bring us.
0: And you know, obviously you're still growing. Um, what was it like really getting started? Because you not only have to find the, you know, people coming in to do business with to get the materials, but then also these, um, you know, farms and, and who are giving out the feed.
1: Yeah, it was really difficult starting because at first we showed up and, and we said, we showed up to feed customers and we said, we want to contract with you. Well, they said, send us a sample. And then we said, okay, we'll be back. We went to the food manufacturers and they said, well, do you have a track record? So starting the business, balancing supply and demand was very challenging. We we you know hustled. We we found a you know a few food manufacturers that were willing to contract with us, mostly through warm intros. Um, and uh, uh, and then once we had a few, we we were very focused on making sure we had very high quality service to build up our reputation. And then when we opened. We finally could produce a product to start. So it was it was. Uh, you know, it was a. Uh, we thought we had the idea, and business was going to come to us. Um, but waste contracts are sticky. You know, the, the market exists uh, in a certain fashion today, and, and you know, breaking in is has has been a um, you know a very interesting endeavor, to say the least.
0: Yeah, certainly. And what kind of um, who are your customers on the back end?
1: So large females. Okay. So the the product that we produce is not a, a feed that goes directly to farms it's a feed ingredient that replaces corn and soy. So corn and soy make up a huge proportion of the animal feed market today. It's something like 90%. So what our product does is we were a replacement and the larger feed mills that we sell to can buy less corn and soy for their final mixes. And our product uses human nutrition, it's very high quality. Uh, So we sell it a discount to those large feed mills. So there's cost savings there. And then ultimately they pass that through to, to farms. Um, so it's something that we sell in bulk to, lar- to the you know large females in the region and then ultimately uh, we hope that those cost savings translates to all the local farms in the area.
0: So yes, yeah, some of that food waste, maybe that's coming from New England, is also being fed out to farms maybe right here in Connecticut. Absolutely. And on the business side of things, what's the, so for these, um, you know, these farms, these large scale operations, there's a cost saving, they're getting really high quality food, what's the benefit for the businesses? Sustainability? Yes.
1: So there are multiple. No, we, we felt really strongly when we were developing the business plan, we had to dev- ensure that we could offer a service that would save people money. I think that uh, sustainability is a huge pitch. Some companies care about that you know, more than others, um, but uh, there, there are cost savings. That's a huge driver that when we go in, because we make all of our money through selling animal feed, so we, we don't need to charge or charge very small amounts on the front end. And it's really interesting. Tipping fees across the country, and especially here in the Northeast, continue to accelerate. They're up, I think, on average over the last four or five years north of 10 percent a year. Um, and, uh, you know, we charge virtually nothing. So it's you know, cost savings, um, we, uh, um, sustainability. And then we focus a lot on service and we try to differentiate ourselves by really specializing in food setups and you know, frequent pickups, uh, you know clean setup for the businesses that we work with. So we also try to ensure we have high quality service.
0: So you kind of help them manage how they're gonna get it out the door to you.
1: Exactly, we, we have a team that does that. They go in, they look at the right setup, whether it's a, you know, a full shoot with a, um, with a container or, or it's something smaller, we'll go in and, and you know our team has expertise in that. Uh, but we, we first get in the door because we save people money.
0: Wow. I think, you know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was just the the impact um, part of this and really the need for it. Tell me a little bit about, about that and, you know, how much savings you think you've been able to, to provide so far.
1: Yeah, so basically uh, tipping fees in the northeast are north of... $120 a ton, mm-hmm. and it wasn't you know, a long time ago when they were at $60 and $70 a ton, so they've really you know, increased pretty significantly. Um, we'll pay for some food material, you know, or we'll ch- if it's wetter, we'll charge very little. So we're, you know, on average, paying for, for material today versus the $120 a ton cost. So uh, you know, our savings are proportional to how much waste a given food manufacturer, supermarket, or food business will have. Um, But it's quite substantial. And, uh, um, you know, especially in today's inflationary environment, it's a it's a meaningful amount.
0: Just a couple of weeks ago, we heard from um, Scott Kolb, who's your board chair. Yep.
1: We actually have a permit to do 450 tons a day.
0: At CBIA's E2 conference. And he talked about, uh, you know, three goals really helping, the businesses helping you know, become more sustainable, save money, helping these farmers um, you know, get good quality products, but then also really helping, helping the world, helping the, the global footprint. What kind of impact do you think that this is having on there?
1: Yeah, you cannot solve the climate crisis without addressing food waste. Again, it contributes about 10 percent of greenhouse gas emissions globally. If food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter after the U.S. and China. So it's a huge problem and it's a very you know, difficult, difficult problem to solve. So our facility in Berlin is permitted to process up to 450 tons a day. Wow. And every day we have more and more waste coming in through our facility. So it is something that uh, can really solve the waste crisis you know, at scale. And the facility that we have in Berlin, we're now looking at multiple areas across the country for who has the biggest problem and need, where can we have the most impact in the near term and, and we're looking at setting up facilities um, in those areas. So ultimately we think that every state should have you know, at least one facility um, and we think we can really tackle the, the problem at scale. And we, we went through a pretty rigorous life cycle analysis with uh, uh, university experts and our process is equivalent to taking 33,000 cars off the road each year So the energy that we produce from our process through drying and cooking and blending um, is less than just the energy needed to grow corn and soy before even talking about preventing food from going to landfills. So it's a very green process. And the more we scale, the more that we can produce at our facilities, the more we're taking a, a bite out of climate change.
0: Tell me a little bit about your team. Who's behind this? Uh, obviously, with the amount of growth that you've seen in the past couple of years, I assume the team is growing. Yeah, we We've keep also busy. To have you know some pretty um, smart engineers.
1: After Tim and I, our third employee was uh, you know director of operations, Daniel Adam. He was a, you know an incredible hire for us. We hired you know he was uh, um, someone who uh, still not sure why he joined at first when it was just an idea. But he was, uh, you know, someone who uh, had a lot of experience in managing large facilities, and and you know helped us really build out our facility. Um, we've hired, uh, you know, head of engineering. We have, um, you know, on our team is the head of engineering at Boston College and Worcester Polytechnical Institute. Um, and then uh, we hired recently a chief growth officer, Lakshmi Wertham, who's out there really like forging partnerships with some of the largest retailers in the country and um, working on pilot programs, you know. Chris Rassius, our VP of Business Development. So, you know, our, we, we're we're north of twenty employees at this point. Where we continue to hire, and as we start to really lay the the foundation for you know our next few facilities, we're really going to be ramping up our uh, you know our personnel count.
0: And I imagine when you are looking to hire, yes, you're dealing with food waste, but you're really solving some big world problems, and that's got to be, I know, especially with this generation coming in. Is a real big selling
1: point. Exactly. So we're, you know, we've been fortunate that we've been able to hire people who have more experience than where our company was, was necessarily at at the time. And I think everyone who's working, everyone's working just an insane amount of hours at this point, you know, solving problems as they come, figuring things out. You know, we're, we're really creating a newer process. And because there's not a, a roadmap we can just follow, it means everyone is, is working like crazy. Um, and uh, I think they're, they're doing it, and we're able to recruit uh, people of high caliber because everyone sees where we're gonna be in four or five years. They're excited about the mission. You know, everyone, uh, uh, when more food waste comes into our facility, we, we walk around, and it, it's amazing to think that a lot of the food waste could have gone to a landfill or incinerator. It's, it's clean, it's fresh, it's really, it, we, we've all been amazed at how much food waste there is. and. The good thing about working at our company is you're surrounded by food waste. So you know exactly why you're there. You're surrounded. You, you can really feel your impact every day when you're at our facility.
0: You seem to have gained so much knowledge um, about food waste and about this conversion. You didn't know much about it beforehand. So tell me about taking on that, that learning curve and immersing yourself in, in this.
1: Yeah, so at first we said let's focus on you know, and really we've done this until, until recently, let's focus on the technology, let's make sure that we have a state-of-the-art facility, we have sensors throughout our facility, algorithms that are moving material throughout our facility and blending it, um, and we, so we were really focused on just the tech piece in our facility for a while, and after we opened, we said, okay, if we build it, they'll come, but we learned very quickly that's not the case. You really have to go out there, you have to find business, we have to market, we have to make sure people understand clearly what our value proposition is, and that will make their lives easier. So through the course of doing that, we've interacted with so many people throughout the, the, you know, food spectrum, from the haulers to the food, you know, to food manufacturers, to people in the sustainability area. And, you know, through that process and through growing our business, we've, we've met so many people that have taught us an, incre- you know, an incredible amount. And that's
0: kind of just how you started to gain all of that? Uh,
1: we learn something new every day, and that changes. We're, the good thing about being at our size is that when we learn something new, we can adjust and we can refine our process or how we set up or our roots or who we partner with. And so, um, at, at this scale, we have a lot of flexibility and uh, you know, I think our whole team is, is just very open minded to new information and trying to make sure that we get it right.
0: What are some of the things as you look back at your starting to where you are now, some of the lessons that you've learned?
1: Oh, my God, I have, do you have two hours? <laughs> but it's, uh, we've, uh, there's just, uh, uh, you know, we, we've we learned an incredible amount. There's, you know, things about our process that we would have done differently. The way we, you know, set up our facility to have more flexibility for the future. Um, there's, uh, um, There's uh, you know, certain, uh, um, you know, waste streams we wish we had targeted right away. There's just a, a whole host of um, uh, you know, things with our facility setup that we think we would, um, you know, that we would do differently. Anytime we said, oh, let's just go about it this way to, to save a few dollars, we've always regretted it. So anytime we've really built for scale, put things in the right way, it's avoided the headaches of, you know, our director of operations and others running around, fixing pipes or bursting, going it, you know, I think uh, really uh, making sure that, that you build it correctly the first time around.
0: Yeah, so really not, not taking those shortcuts to try and speed things along.
1: Exactly. It's build it the right way, be patient. Um, you know, if we continue to focus on making sure our customers are happy, both on the food manufacturing side and the animal feed, the rest, you know, and we, we focus on building a high quality plan and improving each day, the rest, the rest will take care of itself
0: what advice do you have maybe for um you know people who are entrepreneurs maybe kind of stuck in one world and have this idea what what advice do you have for them i know you had a partner in this so that was helpful i'm sure
1: yeah so i would uh well maybe i'll have a different perspective in a few years we'll (laughs) we'll we'll see but uh but but currently uh i think a lot of the success that we've had is because our team is made up of people with very different skill sets so Without Tim, there's you know there's no chance that Brightfeeds would have taken off, and then without you know Chris and Lakshmi and Dan, there's no way you know we would have gotten the facility scaled up and and the machines working. So I think uh, you know and Scott on the finance side and sustainability area. So I think the the you know the the the, the biggest advice I would have is find, partner with people who look at the world differently than you, have different skill sets. There's just there's way too much to do every day um, to grow the business, even at a small scale, to do it by yourself.
0: I know you said your goal, really, every state should have something like this. Um, what are your, what do you think about what's going to be happening with your company in Connecticut? I know you said the state has been since the beginning very, you know, receptive. I think you guys also worked with um, Connecticut Innovations. Was that it early on? Yep. Um, so you know, what do you think? What do you see for Connecticut's future with Brightbeads?
1: Yeah, so we're very focused on building out infrastructure in Connecticut. So our, our facility is permitted to process four hundred and fifty tons, so we can we can take a big chunk of Connecticut's food waste. Um, the we really for for food waste to get to our facility economical, it either has to come it has, either has to come in very large quantities, or be closer to our facility. So we're very focused on working with the state to build food waste collection stations, and other infrastructure so that we have a presence in Fairfield County in areas that are over an hour outside of our facility.
0: Yeah, one of the things I think we also heard at that E2 conference was just a lot of people wanting stuff like this but can't get to it because they're in a small town um, and they're not able to, you know, they don't have the resources.
1: Exactly. There's two sides to our business. There's the what goes on at the plant. Uh, the, the, you know, converting food waste to animal feed, and then there's logistics and making sure it gets to your facility in an economical way. Um, and uh, we're spending a lot of time on the logistics now and making sure that people in remote areas or areas that are far from our facility can benefit from the cost savings from moving their food waste to our facility.
0: Very interesting. It's, you know, amazing to see what you've done in such a short period of time. I'm sure you, sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, 20 employees.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a incredible uh, you know, journey so far, I think, you know, working with, uh, you know, Tim Rassius, our president, CEO and co-founder who, uh, um, you know, who has, uh, you know, a ton of experience building businesses and Scott Kalb another co-founder who you saw speak, who has a huge presence in the sustainability field, um, has made it a lot of fun, but but we're all sprinting in a million different directions to make sure that uh, we take advantage of this opportunity.
0: Great. And we've got a lot of businesses who listen to this BizCast. So uh, what steps should they be taking or what kind of qualifies them for for the right person to, to be working with you right now?
1: Yeah, if they have food waste, they're the right business, and uh, you know Chris Rassius, our VP of Business Development, numbers you know, on our website. So they can fill out a form on our website, they can call Chris, he'll get back to them uh, you know, immediately. And so I would say just reach out. What we'll do is we'll, we'll call you back, we'll go through how much waste volumes you have, we'll understand the pain points that you have disposing of your waste, we'll take a tour to your facility, um, and we can generally turn around a proposal within a couple days. Um, and we've really yet to encounter a situation where we won't save a business money.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the BizCast.
1: Thanks for having me. We're incredibly excited to be in Connecticut and we're hoping to um, continue to onboard new businesses. So I would just want anyone listening to to please reach out.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being here again. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. For more episodes, head on over to cbia.com.